This is Dr. Rob Harder with the Nonprofit Leadership Podcast, making your world better. What does it take to be an effective nonprofit leader today? What are the biggest challenges? What are the biggest obstacles? How should nonprofits fundraise in an economy that is constantly changing? All of these reasons combined led me to start this show. And it's my hope that through this series, people can learn not only what it takes to be an effective nonprofit organization, but to hear from effective leaders who are successfully making a positive impact in their communities. We hope you enjoy the show as together we hear how they are making their world better. When it comes to those who hold the most power in a nonprofit or a company, most people think of the CEO or executive director, right? But the reality is the board is the group who has the most power. I mean, the board hires and fires the CEO and is tasked with stewarding the future of the organization and or business. All nonprofit leaders know the importance of an effective board for the organization's success, right? Well, according to the Sustainability Board Report of 2020, they found that only 17% of board directors are competent, I put that in quotes, to handle the unique and ever-changing challenges facing nonprofits and businesses today. So how can we change that? Well, my guest today has a lot to say about that. She is Hella Bank-Jorgensen. Hella has a 30-year track record of returning environmental, social, and governance risks into innovative and profitable business opportunities. Hella has had experience in both the for-profit and nonprofit sector, and currently she is the founder and chief executive of Competent Boards, which offers online climate and ESG programs from a faculty of over 100 renowned board members, executives, and experts. She's also an advisor to Global Fortune 500 boards and board members, including Nike, Shell, and Unilever. She also serves on several high-profile international panels, including the World Economic Forum. Now, she recently published a new book entitled Stewards of the Future, A Guide for Competent Boards. We're going to talk about her book and her advice regarding what it takes to have an effective board for your organization. Enjoy today's show. Well, Hella, it is great to have you on the show today. Thanks for calling in from Toronto. Always good to have another Canadian leader on the show. Now, we're going to talk all about boards today. They play an absolute critical role in both nonprofit organizations and, of course, for for profit businesses. So let's start with that stat that I started off the show with. And it's according to the Sustainability Board Report. They found that only 17% of board directors are competent, again, I put that in quotes, to handle the unique and ever-changing challenges facing nonprofits and businesses today. Why is this the case and what can we do to change it? Well, first of all, Rob, thank you so much for having me. And let me just say, we actually have changed that number just a bit. Oh, good to know. Okay, what do you have it now? Well, so from the 17% that you had in 2020 to the 40% in 2021. What? No ways. That's a huge change. Okay. How did that happen? Yes. Well, but let's, let's just unpack that a bit because it's not even competent. It's they are conscious. I know about environment, social governance issues. That's the one that's gone from 17 to 40%. However, if you look at what you call ESG competent, so having the competences to really provide the inside and the foresight so you can provide that oversight that you're supposed to do as a board member, that's 8, 8% actually. So, so we are still in a way where we need to really improve that. And, and again, this is actually not of all board members. 
this is of the board members that are chosen to serve on a committee that have the job of overseeing ESG, sustainability, um, new climate issues. So we have a, we have some way to go on this. Okay, so I want to just restate that for my listeners. So when it comes to being conscious of some of these key issues, it's gone up from 17 to 40%. But when it comes to competency, it actually goes down to 8%. Is that correct? Well, I don't think the first year they actually was measuring competences. So, so they were measuring, you know, being ESG conscious as they looked at it. So, so you can say it's gone up, gone down. But I think what it is that I see is the difference between, you know, I'm conscious about something. That's not a bad thing to, to, to be, right? But it's kind of like that I know that I'm, I'm driving on the road. I'm, I know I'm going somewhere. I'm conscious that, that there might be some bumps in the road. If I'm competent, I'm actually able to know what to do when I get to one of these bumps in the road. So there is a huge difference in my mind on, and we need to get board of directors and for that matter, all leaders to understand the environmental social impact on the companies and therefore also the governance that will drive those companies forward. I couldn't agree with you more. And, and obviously for my listeners, there's a lot of issues, right, that a board has to address and oversee. And again, this is true for for-profit businesses as well as nonprofit organizations. So in your opinion, with all your experience, how can one's board best determine which ESG issues deserve their highest attention? What would you say to that? Well, that depends. Who are we talking to, right? And, and if you're a not-for-profit that have group of stakeholders, then you want to figure out who are your most material stakeholders. What are the most material issues for those stakeholders? What's in your mission? What's in your purpose? You want to guide those different things. And, and again, I told you before we started here that I was leading the, the Global Compact and building actually the, the United Nations Global Compact in Canada a, a few years back. And we looked at the sustainable development goals. And these sustainable development goals, the 17 biggest pain points in the world, or the 17 biggest opportunities in the world. And I'm actually saying that both to not-for-profit as well as for-profit businesses, because it's a brilliant way of looking at all of these issues, all of those pain points that we need to address and that our stakeholders, being that if it's customers, being that if it's our you know, employees, being that if those that are funding us or our investors, you know, depending on how we look at it, all of those different stakeholders. But we need as leaders to figure out who do we care most about and what do they care most about? Love that. I think you're absolutely right. And, you know, in that same context, every board faces both risks and opportunities, right? And this is true again for across the board. So in your experience, what are some of the biggest risks and opportunities that need to be discussed around the board table? I mean, unfortunately, right now we are in a situation where we see a war in Ukraine. And so I'm quite sure that whatever company you're at right now, you're discussing what can we do? What should we do? What's the consequences for 
the company or, or the organization? What's the consequences for our stakeholders? I think that will be number one on, on the list right now. Right underneath that, I would assume, hope, that we see climate. What impact will climate change have? What impact will biodiversity have? What impact does the fact that we have, you know, a just had one pandemic and and you know let's let's see where we add in terms of covid but you also have a mental health pandemic so what are and I'm going back to can we show we care what do we really care about and then i know for a lot of companies a lot of organizations well we can care about a lot but if we don't have the cash to really go out and ensure that we, we we are sustainable as an organization. Well, that doesn't matter either. So, so we need to have that balance between all of these different areas and based on that, say, what are the big issues we need to address? We just talked about the sustainable development goals, right? We need to say, what are the right things for the short term and the long term? And I'm you you know that I work with so many board directors and and uh, and leaders, and I think the right question would be: What are the right actions in the short term that will lead us to the right outcome in the long term? And if we don't get that right, if we just make short term decisions without having a view on the long term outcomes that we want, you know, we are not really leaders. So. Have that purpose, have that you know vision, outcome, whatever we want to call it, out there. You can see it and make sure you make those right short-term decisions. But of course, when you have a war, of course, when you have all of these other things coming in, you need as leaders to say, how do we deal with that? But do not get derailed, hopefully, by it. I like that emphasis on, you know, really having that balance between short-term and long-term. You also talk about this in your book, which I'm going to talk about a little bit. You know, you want boards that are not just future-focused, but are actually ready for the future challenges that, that will inevitably come. In fact, you argue that there are four key traits of boards that demonstrate a true preparedness for the future. In other words, it's one thing just to be looking towards the future and thinking of long-term results, but it's another thing to be actually prepared for the future and to lead in the here and now to get to that desired future result. What are those four key traits for boards that demonstrate truly a preparedness for the future? Well, you know, you have that long-term mindset that we actually just talked about. What is that long-term mindset? How do you think ahead? How do you get all of those outcomes that we just discussed and really make sure that you have that mindset in, in play? I also talk in the book about the seven generation principles, where it is that indigenous principle, every action you take today, what impact will that have seven generations from now? So that's one. Number two, know the ABC of ESG and climate. And back to where you started in terms of those board of directors serving to oversee ESG, climate, sustainability, whatever we we call it. If you don't understand how to read the reports, if you don't understand how to ask the questions, you're not going to be successful. So we need like we know the ABC of other things, if you're financial, 
you know how to read the, the profit and loss, you know how to read the balance sheet. You know, in the same way, you need to know the ABC of ESG and climate for that matters as well. You need to understand what's top of mind of your stakeholders, being that your customers, being that your employees, being that your customers' customers, being that the employees of the future, being that who are lending you money, the, the, the you know, bank or or who are funding you. If those that are funding you as a not-for-profit say, no, we don't agree with you on these matters, you're not going to be sustainable for the, for the long run, right? So back to that stakeholders. So understand you know, what is it that the stakeholders want, but make sure that you have the purpose, your own mission in place. You're the leaders. So people are going to look to the leaders to look at all of these different areas and say, this is how we want to do it. Be agile, but make sure that you communicate that well. I often say to companies, you get the investors you deserve because if you are able to communicate what it is that your transition plan looks like, well, then there's a better chance that you get the investors to say, I believe in you as a business. The same goes for, you know, if, if your organization that are helping others, if your organization that says, we are here for a bigger purpose. If you're not able to explain that to others, if you're not able to really show others what it is that you, the value you bring and the values that you use in your daily work, you're not, you're not going to, to achieve what it is that you think is success. So so that communication is communication is hard, but it's so, so important. We'll be right back. Hey friends, thanks so much for listening to the Nonprofit Leadership Podcast. If this is your first time listening to us, I want to make sure you're aware of a whole group of other episodes with fascinating guests that I previously interviewed. Just go to our website, nonprofitleadershippodcast.org. There you'll find numerous interviews of nonprofit leaders from all over the country and even from different countries, all trying to make their world better. I also want to encourage you to like, subscribe, and share this podcast with others. This will help us get this great content out to more nonprofit leaders just like you. Now, finally, if you want to get my monthly email update that contains more resources in addition to these episodes, it's really easy. Just go to my website at nonprofitleadershippodcast.org and simply type your email address in the top right-hand box, and you'll be added to our monthly email update. And this way, you'll never miss any of the interviews or extra content from this show. And if you have any questions or comments, do not hesitate to email me. Thanks again for listening. Now back to the show. I like the ABCs of ESG. I think that could be a title of a new book, maybe. I like that's very catchy and it's portable, but you're saying some really, really important things. Another big piece that boards have to deal with is effectively managing key stakeholders. You mentioned a little bit before, but uh, that could be donors, that could be volunteers, that could be employees, uh, that could be even other community leaders, state and national leaders, activists, even social media influencers, right? There's a lot of potential stakeholders in your organization as a nonprofit. And the bigger your nonprofit is, the more stakeholders you have. How can boards best manage stakeholders for their organizations from your perspective? 
Well, the first question is, do you manage them or do you engage? Oh, good question. I like that. Okay. And, and I think if, if, if I'm volunteering to something, do I want to be managed or do I want to be engaged? So like everything else, you know, if we just sit in, in our own office and, and don't get out and listen to the people that are working with us, that are helping to make a mission possible instead of not really believing in it, are we then really, again, being a leader, right? So, so we have two ears. Let's go out and use them. Let's listen to all of that. Let's engage being that, as you say, the volunteers or the employees or all the other stakeholders. You know, you said activists. And often when, when you talk about activists also from a company, it's like, oh, 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 careful now. But I'm saying, you know, you have people that are so interested in what you do that they are willing to use time and suggesting things. You can say some of them might be suggesting it in ways that people don't like, but that might be because no one listened to them first. So if we, if we listen, if we try to understand each other instead of saying, you're wrong, I'm right, I mean, none of us is going to be successful with that. It might be that we don't agree, but at least if, if I try to understand, I can try to communicate. So engagement instead of management, I think, you know, I, I do say manage, manage, manage and, and be a leader, but a leader for me might be that you are engaging instead of managing. I really like that distinction. I think you're absolutely right on. I think engagement is the term we should be using and that's the approach we should have, particularly when it comes to people that, yes, that are outside the organization, that are volunteering their time or, or they're doing work on behalf of a nonprofit. So you kind of like indicate, yes, for people that are outside and are paid, et cetera. I actually think we also need to do it internally. It, it's not as easy. Right. But but if you see younger people and, and including young people like you and me, uh, you're younger than I am. But, <laughs> thank but, you. Thank you. But you, you, you see that people don't want to leave their values when they go to work. And many of us have now been working from home for a long time. Right. And and so have people have started to say, I can't just leave my values when I sit in front of my computer and, and work. I'm still at home. I still have my kids around. I still have, you know, other, so suddenly you, you have this, is this the right work for me? Am I actually, am I actually contributing to what I like to contribute as, as a human being? And we are now seeing this great resignation. And what is it that's happening? Not necessarily the people say, oh, I don't want to work anymore, but they want to work with something that gives them purpose, that aligns with the values. And I think that's, again, something that we as, as leaders need to recognize. When, when I started my career, well, that was not the case, right? We, we, that was, you start in a company and you're, you, you stay there and you're very loyal. You don't have your cell phones because we didn't, right? So you couldn't send out now now you you have a constant flow of information to and from 
and and again you need as a, as a as a leader to to listen and engage uh, and i think many of those great leaders that i've you know uh, embedded into the their viewpoints into the books or my book uh, you know talk about this you know boots on the underground listen uh, engage with people go out have lunch with the people in the organization figure out are we moving fast enough are we doing the right things so back to my engagement sorry <laughs> no i like it a key word engagement is critical i would agree with you 100 and interesting you kind of mentioned a bit particularly with this next generation and i want to go into that there's been a lot of people that i've talked to there's been people guests on my show even that talked about the absolute necessity right to bring on the next generation of leaders to their boards but how do you recruit these younger leaders particularly when it comes to perhaps the pressure of some nonprofit boards where they want people that have the ability to give financially in significant ways to the organization that often, not always, but sometimes that can preclude younger uh, generation leaders to be on the board because they're not quite there at the place in their life where they can give that much, but they have a great perspective. They have a fresh perspective that they could bring to the boardroom. So what is your advice on getting that next generation onto one's board? I think, yes, the first perspective is needed and is needed to really, again, bring that value to whoever are the key stakeholders. If, if the rest of the board agrees that having younger talent, fresh perspective brings value to that organization, there are plenty of young people that would be more than happy to contribute but also get that experience. So, so why is it that we say, well, that comes with that you need to have X number of, of, of many years. I'm not saying the full board should be only people of, of one. We need diversity. We need diversity of thought. We need diversity of all of these different perspectives. Of course, what's aligned with the strategy of that organization. But I don't, I don't see the issue of saying, oh, I mean, if, if, you, you can argue if the only reason you can get to to a board position is because you have made a lot of money and you can you can pay that. Uh, well, are you really having then di- the diversity of thought? Do you really understand what it is that that is needed for the rest of the organization? But of course, that must be up to the organization itself to say if, if is that a is that a demand? Like you know, you can say is the demand that you need to have have. Uh, been a, a CEO for 20 years, well, I would have a lot of people that would say, no, you should not have only CEOs uh, that have had a CEO position for 20 years. You, you need to have that fresh perspective into the boardroom. Well, like you mentioning uh, that idea, the fresh perspective, I think that really is so critical. And you also mentioned something really important, diversity, right? And all kinds of different diversity. One is age diversity or generational diversity. In addition to that, um, I've also had lots of people on the show um, that have talked about the importance of having people from different cultural backgrounds, right? Different social economic backgrounds. So how best should nonprofit organizations recruit new board members or from the BIPOC community? What would you say to that? I would say it should be very easy to do. There are so many talented people being that old BIPOC community. You can also see people with disabilities. You can, you, we just talked about youth. We talk, talk about different genders. It's not that we are lacking the people 
that can really contribute to the board of directors. There are plenty of also organizations out there that are actually helping to say, how can we, your BIPOC community that would love to serve on boards. But I think it's for the organizations themselves to uh, you know, search. Uh, I, I hear from time to time also in, in companies where they get this slate of, of uh, candidates and the, the headhunter says, well, we couldn't find anyone. And you know, the comment back is like, you are headhunter, go out and hunt. Uh, and it's not, and I hear others that say, well, it's congratulations, you found you know, a small community of elderly men with the same um, skin color and that are actually a smaller group than the BIPOC community or women or or other groups of people. So so it's not so much that it's hard to to find. I think it, it's it's a question about saying how do we what's the talent that we need to have around the boardroom table to make the right strategic decisions to be able to press the speeder when when that time comes to be able to press the, the brake when that time comes to really support the organization, support the CEO, support the organization driving the strategy. What's the right talent? And then we all know that if we have that diverse mindset in the boardroom, where we also have a chair that are open to hear all of the different perspectives, then we will get to some decisions that are making more value and values for the, the organization and its key stakeholders. So what's not to like? Great point. I love the intentionality you're talking about. I think that is, that's the critical piece, right? To be really intentional about it, thoughtful. Now, a lot of this is coming out of the book that I'd mentioned before. You have a new book as of this year that has come out. And I understand you've told me it's a bestseller now, which congratulations to that. For my listeners, the book is entitled Stewards of the Future, a guide for competent boards. I know this may be difficult, but could you give us one key takeaway that you want everyone who reads your book to grasp? Should I find the last word on the last page now? <laughs> sure, absolutely. <laughs> No, it's a mindset. And, and I have people that ask me, so what's the most important? And that you can't really say what's the most important because that depends on who you are. So for me and what I hear from people that are reading the book and also for that matter, going through our ESG and climate competent boards designation and certificate programs, that mindset, that insight, that foresight that they can, that they start seeing the big pictures instead of thinking in silos, that they start being able to say, okay, we have some dilemmas we need to deal with, but I now have a guide. I now have process on what is it that matters most right now, but without forgetting the rest. So, I mentioned before this seven generation principle. And, and so if you, if you really say, what is the one thing? But the problem is that it's the start of the book. But that would be <laughs> to say, you know, every action, every action you make, every single session, second, right, that will have an impact. What impact will that have seven generations from now? 
Oh, I really like that. Really thinking that long term, but it comes down to every single moment in the here and now. So that short-term, long-term combination, I really like that. That's good. Well, for my listeners, again, how can they find out a little bit more about you, perhaps, or find out more about your book? Well, about uh, the book, uh, it's on Amazon, as, as you point out, uh, and also on, on uh, our website, so www.competentboards.com, and it's in bookstores, at least in North America, and I know in Australia as well, and hopefully other places. And so go in and, and search for uh, Stewards of the Future, a guide for competent boards. And I'm on LinkedIn, I'm on Twitter. And I think that's about it. Uh, but uh, but again, and competent boards on both LinkedIn and Twitter and other social media channels. And I think for both what I'm sharing on on my LinkedIn and and others, uh, you know, Twitter, but also what competent boards uh, are sharing, also the blogs. So go on to competentboards.com and you'll find the blogs and you'll find also more about the the book there. Uh, and hopefully that is going to give a lot of people the tools and this mindset to be not only stewards of the short term, but stewards of of the future and stewards of the companies and the organizations. And therefore, hopefully, getting us all to the place we want to be and then stewards of their own careers. As I I have heard, people are saying like, oh, this helped me in my career. Uh, So I'll, I'll take that as well. Well, again, Hella, thank you so much for sharing your insights today. Thanks for being on the show. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you for having me. It's fun. Hey, friends. Well, I wanted you to know that this podcast can be found on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, Google Podcasts, and wherever you listen to other podcasts. I also want to encourage you to like, subscribe, and share this podcast with others. This will actually help us get this great content out to more nonprofit leaders just like you. You can also join the Nonprofit Leadership Podcast community, find other resources and interviews of past guests all on my website, nonprofitleadershippodcast.org. Well, thanks again for listening. And until next time, keep making your world better.